0: Good morning, let's stand for the reading of the word of God here this morning, in Second Peter, the third chapter, in the third verse, Second Peter 3, starting with, with verse 3, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts, And saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willfully forget that the word of of God, the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, Nevertheless we according to his promise look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore beloved looking forward to these things be diligent to be found by peace in him to be found by peace by him in peace without spot and blameless and consider that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation. Heavenly Father we thank you for your goodness and your mercy. We honor and reverence your word. We put it first place in our lives, and we trust that people will open their hearts and hear just what it is the Spirit of God is saying to us through your holy written word today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I'm going to talk to you today about the timeline to eternity. The timeline to eternity. You know, the Bible has much to say about prophecy. You know what prophecy is? That's Tell in the future before it happens. And from time to time we should consider what the Bible says about prophecy and end time events. About one third of the Bible has to do with prophecy. Now I'm not dogmatic when I teach about end time events. Just about every preacher has kind of a little bit different slant or take on the end times. And when we talk about the end times, the things that we talk about today are not essential to our salvation. You understand what I mean by that. In other words, you may disagree with some things that I say about the rapture or the Antichrist or the millennium. We may disagree on those things. It's not essential. We can still be saved if we disagree on those things. Now, sometimes people fight small wars over interpretation of end-time events. But you see, those are non-essential to our salvation. What's essential to our salvation is we must agree on who Jesus is. That's essential. You understand that? But one of these days, Jesus is going to return. many say where is the promise of his coming many scoffers well he hasn't come yet when's he going to come we've you know i've heard about his coming for years he still hasn't got here when's he going to come doesn't look like he's ever going to come to me those are scoffers i've only been here 55 years you know how long 55 years is to god less than that right and one of the reasons that the Lord hasn't come back yet is because we just read it of his long suffering he's not willing that any should perish but that all should come to salvation all should come to Jesus you understand that but one of these days he's going to come back and you know the Bible will happen just The end time events will come and they'll happen just the way the Bible says. Now they may not all happen just like we think, but they will happen. And when we get on the other side of it and we look back, we'll say everything happened just like what the Bible said. It's like when you consider Jesus' first coming. How many of you know he came the first time? And there's more in this book about his second coming than his first. So if this Bible is right about his first coming, wouldn't you agree that it's even more right about his second coming? And uh, But when we look at his first coming, just think about it. Before he came the first time, the Bible says, just, just, just listen to this, that he was going to come out of Bethlehem, he was going to come out of Egypt, and he was going to come out of Nazareth. But now, if you see, we look back at that and it makes perfect sense because we know that he was born in Bethlehem. He went into Egypt to, because Herod was killing the babies, right? So he came out of Bethlehem, he came out of Egypt, and then he went into Nazareth, and then he came out of there. See, we, we, we understand it because we're on the other side of it. But just think about looking, when you're, when you're back looking forward at that, how are you going to get somebody to come out of Bethlehem, out of Egypt? and out of Nazareth see it doesn't make as much sense looking forward at it but when you get on the other side of it it makes perfect sense and the same thing's true about what we're going to talk about today the end time events that are yet to happen we're looking at them from this side and sometimes they're kind of like uh, Bethlehem, Egypt and Nazareth to us how's that all going to work but when we get on the other side of it look back we'll say that this Bible every jot and tittle was a- happened absolutely like what God said it would you understand that and so i'm going to cover some things with you today just in the time that i have well you, you can't you can't in 40 minutes talk about end time events and get get everything in so i'm going to just highlight with you highlight for you some of the main things that that i feel are are pretty unambiguous you know what i mean when i say unambiguous because you start studying end time events you can get into a lot of ambiguity and interpretation but but what I'm going to share with you today in the brief time that I have is some things that I feel are, are unambiguous, things that are, are 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 fairly clear. That 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 you get a bunch of preachers together. Now you get a bunch of preachers together. that are going to argue about you know these things, end time events. You get Christians together. You're going to argue about end time events. I don't want to argue about end time events. You understand that? We but, but but we need to discuss them, right? We need to talk about them. But but everybody's going to have a little bit different take on this, that, or the other. The other. But what I want to cover is, is things that really, I, I think, are very clear that, 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 that are going to happen and, and happen pretty much the way that, that, uh, that, that I'm going to share with you. First of all, uh, you know, before Jesus came the first time, there were certain signs and things. And actually, Daniel gave a prophecy. He was a prophet in the Old Testament. He gave a prophecy that, that clocked out just exactly to the time when the Messiah was going to come. And when, when, when Jesus came, it was right on that timeline that Daniel had given. And that's one of the reasons that people were looking for his first coming is because Daniel had, God gave Daniel a prophecy concerning Christ's first coming and they were right in that time and right in that season. Nobody knew the exact day or hour that Jesus was going to be born of the virgin, but they knew the season. You understand that? They, they knew pretty close to when it was going to happen. Well, listen, uh, the same thing is true right now. You know, uh, if you look at the signs and things that are going on in the earth right now and have been going on, we are definitely in the season of the Lord's coming. Jesus said that no one knows the day or the hour that he's going to come the second time, but we can clearly know the season. The Bible tells us that. The the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul told us in, in the Thessalonians that we can know the season of his coming. In Jesus, in Matthew's account, he said this, Many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. You'll hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines, pestilences, and great earthquakes in various places. Now, haven't we seen that? All these are the beginning of sorrows, Jesus said. He said many false prophets will rise and deceive many. The gospel will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. Well, the gospel is being beamed out over the airwaves like it hasn't heretofore. You understand that? It's in Matthew, the 24th chapter. You can find all this. And as I said, we cannot know the day or the hour, but we can know the season. One of the signs Jesus also gave in Matthew 24, and I'm not reading it all for the sake of time, but I would recommend you go read Matthew 24. It's very good. Don't do it now. Do it when you get home. But one of the things he said there is he gave a parable of a fig tree, which the fig tree in Scripture is symbolic of Israel and and as you study into that parable a little bit what Jesus is saying there is that you see when he gave that parable Israel was was not uh, well, well, well they were there but in, in, in 70 AD they were ultimately uh, uh, dispersed and so on and so forth much we could say about it but you know Israel was scattered and what not but he was saying there in Matthew 24 that, that when he gave the parable of victory that Israel would again become a nation and, and you know if you think about it look at israel in the early 40s and into the mid 40s they were in the ovens of adolf hitler were they not and you know god can do a fast work and in just 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 they went from the ovens to 1948 they're a nation again isn't that something and in and in 1948 and by the way i'll just throw this in it's not in my notes but you know that that israel when you put any other any other uh, uh, people beside the Jews in there, that land will not produce. But when the Jews go in there, that land begins to produce. Now, you don't have to go any further than that to know that God is real. That's just one among thousands of things I could share with you to let you know that God is real. But Israel would have to again become a nation, and it did so in 1948... And uh, Jesus said the generation, now listen to this, that sees all these things happening. You know the things I just read to you, the the many things that Jesus said there? You see, you can go at any, over the last 2,000 years since Jesus said that, you can go in at any time and you can find any one or two or three of those things going on. But it's not until the last several years that we live and actually till 1948 and even up to the present, that you look and you see all of those things going on at the same time. And he said when you see all these things happening at the same time, then he said that generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. I believe we could well be that generation. Now, every generation from the time of the Apostle Paul and the the Apostles to the present time thought they were the generation that was going to see Jesus' return. But I will tell you this, and this cannot be argued, we are closer today than we've ever been. That's That's a cinch, isn't it? And then one of the most outstanding prophecies concerning the subject we're talking about, about the end days, was given by Daniel. And he said that in the time of the end he said that knowledge would vastly increase. And you think about it from the time of the Garden of Eden all the way down to about 120 years ago or 100 years ago, 80 years ago not much changed, did it? And we went from and look how fast look how fast we went from smoke signals to a cell phone that can, can communicate around the world at the push of a button. Yes or no. Yes. We went from riding across this country in covered wagons, taking, taking months and months and months and even years to get across it till you can get in a jet in New York City and be in Los Angeles within what about about seven hours. Is that right? Yeah. Think about that. And then in the in medical science, just think about that years ago. Uh, my dad passed away in 1971. If he was living today, the thing that he died of, they could have fixed it in about, in about five minutes. Yeah. He died of a heart attack. They could have put a stent in or a couple of stents or, or, or whatnot and he could still be living today. Don't you see how knowledge has vastly increased? Yeah. It cannot be denied. We're living in the time of the end. You understand that? So what lay ahead? Go to 1 Thessalonians, the fourth chapter, if you would. The thing that lay ahead, the next major Bible event that lays ahead, and it could happen at any moment, it could happen before I finish this message, and I wish that it would. It's known as the rapture of the church. The word rapture, it it, it actually means, if you study into that word a little bit, the words that it comes from means to be caught up. And... This should not be confused with Christ's second coming, with Jesus' second coming. Listen to me. Now, everybody look up here for just a second. I want you to get this. There's a difference between the rapture of the church and the second coming of Christ. Now, in the rapture, the Lord Jesus comes himself, all right, but he does not set his feet down on the earth. He comes in in the clouds, and the church is caught up to be with him. Then there's a seven year tribulation period and, and then seven years after the rapture approximately is when Jesus comes in what is known as his second coming where his feet actually touches the Mount of Olives over there in, 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 in Israel, in, in Jerusalem and that mountain splits in two. Do you understand there's a difference between the second coming and the rapture? The rapture, he comes in the air. The second coming, seven years later, he touches the air and sets up his kingdom as we'll see. But you know, when you talk about the rapture of the church, we need to read this from the Bible because this is such a cataclysmic event that if it, if it wasn't written in the Bible, I'd have trouble believing this. But it's in the Bible, so I believe it. I said it's in the Bible, so I believe it. Yes. Now notice 1, Thess- 1 Thessalonians 4.13 the Apostle Paul writing under, under the power of the Holy Ghost says, I don't want you to be ignorant or unlearned, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. That means those who have died. That's not talking about those who have fallen asleep in church. That's talking about those who have already died. Lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, how many believes that in here? I, I, I believe that. Even so, God will bring with him those who sleep or who have already died in Jesus. Who's he talking about there? He's talking about all the believers who have already died. Where's their bodies? Their bodies are still in the earth here in a tomb or in a grave or cremated or whatever. Their spirits have gone to be with him in heaven. When he comes back in the rapture, he's going to bring the spirits of all those believers with him. And their bodies are going to come up out of the graves and be resurrected into a glorified body and their spirits are going to go back into those glorified bodies to live forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Isn't that wonderful? Now notice what it says having said that for if we believe, verse 14, that Jesus died, rose again even so God will bring with him those who have already died in Jesus. Notice in Jesus. You don't want to die outside Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord that we who are alive and remain until His coming, or the coming of the Lord, will by no means precede those who who have already died. For the Lord, now watch this. For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet. Notice underline that the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. That will be something, won't it? I mean, that is going to be something. And, and, you know, somebody said one time, and we'll, we'll see in just a moment, that, boy, I'd like to be able to see that. You're not even going to be able to see it because it happens so fast. It happens faster than you can blink your eye. Two <laughs> gone. Faster than a flash of lightning. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a low... No, no. <laughs> I mean, poof. The Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with voice of the Archangel, trumpet of God, dead in Christ will rise first, and we who are alive. Now, what about us? What about us? We who are alive and remain shall be what? Ooh, caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Isn't that wonderful? That's, that's exciting. Isn't that wonderful? And you see, people argue sometimes, who's going in the rapture? Who's going in the rapture? Who's going in the rapture? The Bible is so clear. Those who are in Christ. Game, set, match, period. That's all there is to it. You have to be in Christ. The dead in Christ go first, then we who are alive and remain. In Christ, say in Christ. In Christ. Christ. You got to be in Christ. You understand that? We go. That'll be a wonderful day. Now look at 1 Corinthians 15, 51. It gives us a little more on this. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty 51. 1 Corinthians 15, 51. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. Now what's that talking about? That's, that's saying we shall not all what? Die. We're not all going to die. Wouldn't it be cool if we could be the generation that cheats the undertaker? Wouldn't that be wonderful? You know what I mean? Cheat the undertaker? Yes. I wouldn't have any problem missing not having my body laying in the casket. There's going to be a generation that's going to miss the undertaker. He says, I tell you a mystery will not all die, but will all be changed. In How fast? In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last what? At the last trumpet. trumpet. We noticed the Lord descended with a trumpet blast, didn't he? And now it's talking at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. That's when we get our glorified body, the same kind of body that Jesus had when he walked out of the tomb. Won't that be wonderful? Yes. This corruptible must put on incorruption, this mortal must put on immortality. See, our spirits are already, if we know Jesus, if we're in Christ, our spirits are Are already We're ready for heaven right now, but our bodies couldn't take the glory of it. Our bodies are going to have to be changed. And it's going to happen that fast. Faster than you can snap your finger and we're gone. That's wonderful. I'm looking forward to it. I don't see how you can deny the rapture of the church based on the verses I just read. And then in Revelation 4.1, go over there real quick. Another verse on this. Revelation chapter 4 verse 1, it's interesting as you read the book of Revelation, chapter 1 is an introductory chapter. Chapters 2 and 3 have to do with the church age, which we're in the church age. We're living right at the end of the church age. And then in chapter 4 verse 1, John, the apostle John, who is a type of the church, notice what happens to him. He says, after these things I looked, after the church age concludes, just as it concludes, he says, verse 1, after these things I looked, and behold, the door standing open in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was like a what? Like a trumpet, boy, there's that trumpet, speaking with me, saying, what? Come up here, and I'll show you things which must take place after this. And he's caught up to heaven. And you see, we don't see the church on earth again in the book of Revelation until the very end when we come back with Jesus riding on the white horse's uh, to to fight the battle of Armageddon, is that wonderful? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Come up, come up to the throne of God. I'm looking forward to that. Amen. Yes. I said, I'm looking forward to that. Yes. Now, what happens when the when when we Christians when we're when we're caught up? What what happens once we're caught up? Well, I'm glad you asked that. Go to 1 Corinthians three verse eleven. 1 Corinthians three verse eleven. It's called the judgment seat of Christ. It's a judgment for believers. Now there's another judgment at the end of the tribulation which we're going to talk about here in a few moments. But this judgment that I'm talking about now, I believe it happens right after the rapture. We're caught up into heaven and we as believers must stand before God and give an account to Him for the lives that we've lived here on the earth. Now this is not a heaven-hell judgment. That took place at Calvary when Jesus died on that cross. He was then raised from the dead. When we place our faith in him, the heaven-hell issue for us is over. Isn't that wonderful? You see, now at this point, we've been caught up to heaven. It's not a heaven-hell thing. We're already going to make heaven. We are already made it. We're already in. But once we're in there, now we must stand before the Lord and give an account for the things we've done here on the earth. We've got to explain to him why we did what we did when we did it. What was our motive? He's going to look at our hearts and see, you know, he's going to look at our faithfulness and and all of that. And notice here, 1 Corinthians 3, verse 11, he says, For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. He just said there that that's how you got into heaven through the foundation, receiving Jesus. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire. Not the fires of hell, but the fires of God. And the fire will test each one's work, each Christian's work, to see what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on endures, he'll receive a reward. Won't that be wonderful? But watch this. If anyone's work is burned, that person will suffer loss. Loss of what? Loss of reward. But they themselves will be what? Saved. Saved, Yet so as through fire. You see, we're saved by the blood of Jesus. But if you study this out in the Greek, it's like... It's like you come through the fires of judgment and, and, and you get through on the other side. All your works are burned up. You're beating the fire off your fanny, so to speak. And you're just down on your hands and knees thanking God that you made it. You got, you got into heaven. But, you, but you're ashamed before God because you have no crowns to lay at His feet. Now this beats going to hell, doesn't it? I'd rather get into heaven with no rewards than go to hell. This is saying if anyone's work is burned, that person will suffer loss. You see, at the judgment seat of Christ, it'll be a great time of reward and a great time of rejoicing. But many Christians will be ashamed before God because they didn't serve Him as they should. And their works are all burned. But they themselves are saved because they're saved by the blood of Jesus, you see. And the grace of God. Do you understand? Do you understand? And then the Bible talks about a marriage supper of the Lamb, a marriage supper of Jesus. In other words, God's going after this judgment seat, God's going to throw a party, and it's a party like no other. A party like no other. You haven't been to a party until you've been to a party that God threw. You understand that? You haven't been to a party. God knows how to throw a party. And it's going to be a wonderful time. And that's when... Jesus, remember he made a, a promise to the disciples. He said, I won't drink this fruit of the vine with you again until we do so in the kingdom. Remember that? That's when he again is going to drink that, the fruit of the vine with the, the, with the disciples. And then something's going to happen here on the earth once the church is raptured out. You see, there's a person known as the Antichrist. Has anybody ever heard of the Antichrist? And uh, he most likely could well be alive on the earth right now. And uh, he cannot be released or revealed until the church is raptured out of here. We're what's holding him back. And we could read in the Thessalonians, first and second Thessalonians, and we could see all of that. But once the church is taken out, I don't want to be here one, five seconds after the church is gone. Because this earth is dark enough with us here. We're the light of the world. It's dark enough with us here. But think what's going to happen when all the light's taken out. And the Antichrist will be released once a church who's holding him back is taken out of here. The Antichrist will be released. He will appear on the scene as a peacemaker, a smooth talker. He'll win this world over with smooth talking. He'll be much like Adolf Hitler, only far, far more suave and debonair, but far more evil than Hitler ever was. He'll make a seven-year peace agreement with Israel, and Israel will accept him as their Messiah. You realize that Israel as a whole has rejected Jesus. They still reject him to this day, and they're looking for their Messiah. Well, when this guy comes, they're going to accept him as their Messiah. And he will make an agreement with them, a peace agreement. He will finally achieve peace in the Middle East. This peace will not be achieved by anyone until this Antichrist arrives. There might be a little peace here, a little peace there. It talks of peace in the Middle East, but there will be no peace until this man comes. But it will only be For about three and a half years. Because you see, once the church is raptured out, this earth will enter into a seven year, say seven year, seven year period known as the time of Jacob's trouble. It's known as the tribulation period. It's known as Daniel's 70th week, much we could say about it. But it's going to be seven years of hell on earth. Did you hear me? Seven years you don't want to be here, and the first three and a half years are bad, but the last three and a half years are like what this world has ever seen. It's going to get so bad that Jesus said, unless that time was shortened or cut short or stopped, that there'd be nothing left. I don't want to be here during that time. The Bible says the judgments of God will fall on this earth. Now God's a good God. He doesn't want to judge anybody, but if you you reject his goodness long enough, then he will judge. And the judgments of God during that seven-year period will be falling on earth. The four horsemen of the book of Revelation, you've ever heard of the horsemen of, of the apocalypse, they're going to be released. One will come forth on the white horse, that's the Antichrist. He I thought Jesus rode a white horse. Well, he does. But see, that Antichrist will be on a white horse, so to speak. He's a deceiver, you see. A counterfeiter. Then a red horse comes, which is war. A black horse comes, which is famine. A pale horse comes, which is death and hell. But even in the midst of this terrible, terrible situation that's going to be here on the earth, you need to remember this, that God always keeps a voice in the earth. And there's going to be, now listen to this, 144,000 Jewish men who are virgins and they're believers in the Lord Jesus and they're going to rise in that time and they're going to go out into all the earth and they're going to evangelize the earth with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, where are these 144,000? How's God going to get them? I don't know how he's going to do it, but the Bible says he's going to do it and he's going to do it. And what you need to realize is that even in the midst of the darkness that will be here upon the earth after the rapture, you see, God's voice in the earth right now is the church. But once the church is raptured, then His voice in the earth is going to be these 144,000 Jewish Christians, believers in Jesus, and they're going to be God's voice in the earth. And, and, and as bad as it's going to be on the earth multitudes of people are going to be getting saved during the first half of the tribulation period. Did you hear just what I said? Yes. You see, people talk about a great revival coming, a great revival coming, great revival coming. Well, there's no doubt about it. There is a great revival coming. It just may not happen while we, the church, are still here. It could, it could not. But I tell you what, once the church is taken out, there is going to be a great revival. Because you see, in that hour... People who sat in churches and people who didn't go to church or people that should have come to church, people that, that heard the gospel and, and were bored with it and didn't want to they have anything really to do w- with Jesus, but yet they heard the gospel once, boom, that quick church is taken out. I tell you what, that right there is going to make a believer out of a lot of people. Did you hear what I just said? And with the ministry of these evangelists, people are going to be getting saved by the truckload. Did you hear what I just said? Going to be getting people who didn't have time for for Jesus, now all of a sudden they're going to have time for him. And you know, God's a good God. And, and, and these people, there's going to be multitudes and multitudes of people get saved during that first three and a half years of the tribulation period. Now, look at, but, but now things, when we get to the middle of the tribulation, things are going to really get bad. But you know, God's a good God. And guess what's going to happen? Look at Revelation 7, verse 9. Are you getting anything out of this? Yes. I'm not boring you, am I? Look at Revelation 7, verse 9. After these things, now, if you you studied into this, this is right in the middle of the the, the, the tribulation, right at three and a half years, right in the middle of that, before things really get nasty, I mean, really nasty on the earth. After these things I looked, and John looked, and behold, a great multitude which no one could number, multitude, nobody could number them, of all, now watch this, nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues. Now, where did Jesus say the gospel had to go? It had to go to all the earth, didn't it? Now realize that the church, even though the gospel is being beamed out to all the, all the world, as best as we know, apparently not the whole earth isn't going to be totally, totally reached until the ministry of these evangelists come forth and they're going to finish the job that the church started. And the, and, and the gospel will finally get out to all tribes, peoples, tongues, and nations, and so on and so forth. Notice verse 9. They're standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands. They don't have crowns, do they? See, they didn't get the same reward that we got. But how many of you know that sure beats going to hell, doesn't it? And crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Notice verse 13. Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, Who are these arrayed in white robes? And where did they come from? And I said to him, Sir, you know, and he said to me, These are the ones who came out of great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Isn't that wonderful? That multitudes, that so many nobody can number, are going to get saved during the tribulation. Isn't that wonderful? Then if you studied into it just shortly after this, those 144,000 evangelists, they're going to get raptured. They're going to get caught up. And then... Who will God's voice be in the earth during the last half of the tribulation? Well, I'm glad you asked that. It's very clear, those two witnesses. The Bible talks about two witnesses. There's no doubt about one of them is going to be Elijah. The book of Malachi says he has to come before the Lord can come back. It's going to be Elijah. Almost everybody agrees on that. And uh, But who's that other one? Well, some say it's Moses. But he already died, didn't he? Does anybody know anybody else in the Bible besides Elijah who never died? Enoch. And the Bible says that you know, we, we must all taste death. The only, the only ex- exemption to that is those who go in the rapture. So e- it's going to be Enoch and Elijah. I remember I was teaching on this in a Bible school many years ago. And there was a man sitting there, a wonderful man. His name was D. He was like Paul Bunyan, big guy. Big, big guy. Wouldn't want to get in a fight with him. And I was teaching on this, and he, rose, he raised his hand right in the middle of my talking about who the two witnesses were. And I said, yep, D, what do you want? He said, Pastor Terry, he said, he said uh, I know who that uh, other witness is going to be. And I said, well, who, who is it going to be, D? And he said, "He said it, 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 it's going to be me, him. And I said, no, D, no, D, I just don't, I just don't think so. And he stood up. He said, I said it's going to be me. I said, well, it's going to be you, then it's going to be you. You know, small wars have been fought over who these witness. What difference does it make? I mean, one's got to be Elijah. But you know, our eternal salvation doesn't hinge on who they are. It hinges on who Jesus is. But notice this very interesting. This this is cool stuff here. Interesting. Revelation 11 verse 3. I thought we ought to read a little bit bit about this. Just a few verses here on on this. Look at this. Revelation 11 verse 3. And I'll give power to my two witnesses and they'll prophesy 1,260 days clothed in sackcloth. So that's three and a half years. That's the last half of the tribulation. They're going to be prophesying. And they're not going to be wearing Saks Fifth Avenue clothes, are they? They're not going to be wearing $8,000 suits, are they? And that sackcloth is, is, is... Yeah, the Spirit of God just spoke that to me. I've never seen it all these years. You know what that indicates? They're preaching a message of repentance. That's what, that's what they do in the Old Testament when they'd repent. They'd sit in sackcloth and ashes. Verse 5, if anyone wants to harm them, fire proceeds from their mouth and devours their, devours their enemies. How many like to have that that set of machinery there? Wouldn't that be something? You disagree with me? i got a blowtorch coming out of my mouth. <sighs> Wouldn't that be something? Absolutely. Wouldn't you like to have that in your repertoire? You'd like to see it. But, but here's the thing: I don't actually know if this, this could be symbolic. It may not be that they actually have blow torches. It, it probably is symbolic in that, in that their words are going to be so, filled with the fire of God that if you come against them, they'll declare a word and, and the enemies will fall. Probably that's my opinion. It's probably not going to be fu- tor- a, fu- a torch. you know It's probably symbolic. you okay with that? You like to see it, we got to pray some grace all you, gotta, you some grace there, okay, if anyone wants to harm them, they'll be killed in this manner. verse seven when they finish their testimony, the beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit that's the devil's wrapped up in that will make war against them, overcome them, and kill them now now watch this, and their dead bodies will lay in this of course the Bible doesn't. If you read the next verse, it tells where their bodies are going to lay. It's going to be in the streets of Jerusalem there. For three, th- and then verse 11. Now, after three and a half days, now think about this. Think about CNN. Think about Wolf Blitzer. Think about uh, MSNBC. Think about Fox. Think about all of them. They're going to be there, you know. Right? And you've got these, these two witnesses. Their bodies are laying there for three and a half days. And look at verse 11, now after three and a half days, the breath of life from God enters them and they stood on their feet and great fear fell on all who saw them. Think about that. Won't, that. won't that be some breaking news? That will be some breaking news there. That'll be for, for real breaking news. Verse 12, and they, and, and they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, what? Come up here. So they're raptured up, aren't they? And they ascend to heaven in a cloud and their enemies saw them. What not be saw? That's going to be cool, isn't it? That's going to be cool. The Antichrist stands in the temple at that point. Well, actually, that happens at the end. I'm sorry, that, happened at, that happens right at the end of the tribulation. But let's go back to the middle of the tribulation for just a moment. Is that okay if we do that? Are you all with me? You following me? This ha- when do these witnesses get raptured? Right at the end of the tribulation. But let's move back to the middle of the tribulation. It's hard to cover this and get all the timelines clear to you as so I'm doing the best I can. But where are we at? Middle of the, say middle of, the middle of the tribulation. Now here's what happens. That Antichrist who was a smooth-talking, Charismatic. charismatic-type figure, in the middle of the tribulation, he stands up in the temple that's going to be built. I tell you what, start looking for that temple to be built over there in, 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 in Jerusalem. And and he's going to stand up and he's going to proclaim himself as God. He's going to blaspheme God. He's going to break his peace agreement with Israel. And then the Bible tells us that he's going to be assassinated. And the false prophet who is his religious leading cohort is going to resurrect him. Think about that. And this is all going to be on television. And then that mark of the beast is going to be instituted right at the middle of that tribulation. Look at Revelation thirteen verse sixteen. Revelation thirteen sixteen, this is the, the there's the the beast, the beast, the beast. Now listen, the, listen to this, the beast. This is the antichrist. Now. Now he's 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 become the beast. He's got a false prophet working with him. You know we're in the book of Revelation, you know the Bible says there's a special blessing just reading this book. You're getting blessed you didn't even know it, you're getting a special blessing just reading this book. The real danger falls on me though. You know this is a, this is the most dangerous message for a preacher to preach. You get in that book of Revelation, you start fooling around in that book of Revelation. You don't know what you're doing. You add things, you, you take things away from it, you're, you're gonna be taken out of the book of life. You add things to it, all the plagues of that book's gonna come on you. Don't you think I'm standing up here nervous right now? Yeah. A holy nervousness. Right. Come on now. Stay on the notes, stay on the notes. Stay on the notes. <laughs> <laughs> stay on the notes. It's the absolute truth. It's like the most dangerous thing about being the President of the United States is how you handle Israel. I don't care who the President is, that's the most dangerous thing about that office. Revelation thirteen sixteen He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or their foreheads, and that no one may buy or sell except the one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here's wisdom. Let him who under, has understanding calculate the number of the beast versus the number of a man. It's what? Six, six, six. I was at Six Flags. Have you ever been to Six Flags? Mm-hmm. How many even knows what Six Flags is? And when you leave there, if you want to come back in the park, you got to get your hand stamped. So I was out there years ago with a friend of mine. And we were going to go up to McDonald's and get some hamburgers because you don't want to buy them at Six Flags because they're too expensive. And they might kill you. So believe me, I know what I'm talking about. So we were leaving and and they were marking right hands that day. And he gave them the left hand. And they said, no, we're doing right hand. He gave them the left, said, no, we're doing right. He said he didn't want to accidentally take the mark of the beast. Good for him, but I had to explain to him a little. I had to do a little teaching from the book of Revelation that we're not in the middle of the tribulation. That was about 30 years ago, so that was funny, wasn't it? Tearing me up, is it tearing you up on the inside? (laughs) We laugh about it, but I'm telling you what, this is going to be a serious thing in that hour. Listen carefully, because if you're here in that hour and you refuse to take that mark, you will not be able to buy or sell. Think about that now. And if you take that mark in your right hand or your forehead, your fate is sealed. You will burn in the lake of fire for all eternity. Amen. Think about that. Think about it. Anybody, we'll see anybody who takes that mark in their right hand or their forehead seals their fate for eternity. They're lost and cannot be, cannot be recovered. They will burn in the lake of fire. Boy, it's a whole lot easier to receive Jesus now, isn't it? Maybe somebody's listening on the the internet. They'll get saved just listening to that. And you know the judgments of God are going to be falling during that tribulation period and even more so during the last half of that tribulation period. It's going to be so bad. Listen to me. It's going to be so bad that before before the bad stuff, because God's going to have seven trumpets and seven vials, and before those trumpet judgments and those vial judgments, guess what happens in heaven? There's silence in heaven for a half hour. Why is that so astounding? Because heaven is a place of praise, a place of worship. It's loud up there, but it's a good kind of loud. Take it from me. You hear the music of heaven, you won't want to come back here no more. I tell you what, heaven is a, is a place, it's a busy place. They're getting ready, they're getting ready, they're getting ready. They're get, what are they getting ready for? They're getting ready for Jesus to come back. Did you know that as excited as we? Oh, bara kose bara kanderate karo oso dana sakura tsukabara darange geroda Yiso rahi ka de he so many many here on the earth have cried out and said oh I long to go see my loved one I long to go see my loved ones who have died and gone on before me to heaven for they were saved and I long to see them I long to see them but you don't know the half of it saith the spirit of the Lord for as you desire to go see them the desire on the other end is far greater far greater than the the desire on this end you see for they up in heaven yea sayeth the Spirit of the Lord, they desire even more strongly to come back and see you than you desire to go and see them. Their hearts yearn, their hearts burn, their hearts cannot wait for the catching up of the church. Their hearts cannot wait to see the loved ones that are on earth coming up to them, Saith the Spirit of the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Think about that. Glory to God. Raise your hands and worship God for that. Thank you, Lord Jesus. That's revelation, right That's revelation right there. 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 Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. I'm yearning to go see my mama. I'm. She's only been gone a few years. I'm yearning to go see my mama. I want to go see her. But she's yearning to see me more. She's yearning to see me more, you see. Glory to God. Amen, amen, amen. That's the Holy Ghost talking right there. Praise God. Praise God. Paulette can't wait to go see her husband, but see, he can't wait to see you. The intensity is even more so on that side than it is on this. That's what the Spirit of God's saying right there. Yes. I always thought it the other way. I never thought about that. Holy Ghost can say whatever He wants right here. Right in this service, right in this church. Glory to God. Did you get what the Spirit of God was saying there? See, we deserve. I I never. We deserve. We can't wait to get there to see them. They're excited up there. They want to come back and they want to. They want. They want to be with us more than we want to be with them. Think about that. Holy Ghost, get a hold of my tongue there. Hallelujah! Glory to God! Isn't Jesus wonderful? Glory to God. Get about half drunk in the Holy Ghost there. So why is there silence in heaven for a half an hour? Because heaven is in a state of awe because they see the judgments that are about to fall on the earth during the last half of that tribulation. And while those judgments of God fall, listen to this, most astounding, people refuse to repent on the earth. They refuse to repent. Unbelievable, isn't it? While many will get saved, many more won't. The armies of the earth will be gathered to the Middle East the fight in the battle of Armageddon. And God's so good. You know I told you about those two witnesses that are taken out. There's going to be an angel that flies around. You don't see angels preaching the gospel. This is the only time you see angels preaching the gospel. Is right at the end of that tribulation. God in his great mercy. Wanting to get it, to reach every last person that he can. And an angel flies preaching the everlasting gospel. And we'll Go to Revelation 19 and we'll begin to, we'll begin to close. Very quickly. Is it okay if I close this up now? You got about, you got about ten more minutes? Come on now. When I was a kid, I'd, I, I, I'd, I'd, I'd have drove halfway across the country to listen to a message like this, and I'd have sat there and I'd have hung on every word. It's interesting, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> Revelation nineteen eleven. Now I saw heaven opened... Now, this is right at the end of the tribulation. This is the second coming of Jesus. Revelation nineteen eleven. Now, I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called faithful and true. In righteousness, he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except he himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood. His name is called the Word of God. Who is this? Is Jesus. Armies in heaven, here's you and me now, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Get you some riding lessons. If you don't know how to ride a horse, get you some riding lessons. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword. That's the word of God now. It's symbolic. And with it he strikes the nations. He himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress, fiercely wrath of Almighty God. He has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. That's Jesus. I saw an angel standing in the sun, clothed with a loud, uh, cried with a loud voice, saying to all the birds that fl- watch this, fly in the midst of it, Come and gather together for the supper of the great God, that you may eat the flesh of kings, captains, mighty men, the flesh of horses, and those who sit on them and the flesh of all people, free and slave, both small and great. You see, this is going to be a battle like no other. It's going to be the battle of all battles. It's going to be the battle of Armageddon. And when Jesus gets done fighting in that we won't even have to fight he's going to do it all with his word and when he gets done the bible says the blood will run the blood of men the blood of soldiers the evil armies of the antichrist their blood is going to run 200 miles to the horse's bridle deep i tell you what god is long-suffering gracious and merciful but you don't want to get on the wrong side of him and you don't want to come against israel you hear me and you don't want to come against the church because we're spiritual Israel, aren't we? Yes. Right? Yes. Read the book of Romans. It say, who's a Jew? Not one who's outwardly where the circumcision of the flesh, but who's a Jew inwardly where the circumcision is of the heart, you see. Yes. You can't get to heaven without being a Jew. Do you understand it? Yes. You, you know what I mean? I don't mean converting to Judaism. I mean receiving Jesus and getting your heart circumcised. Yes. Right? And I, verse 19, and I saw the, Now, oh, this is good. I saw the beasts, the kings of the earth, and their armies gathered together to make war against him who sat on the horse and his army. Then the beast was captured, that's the Antichrist, and the false prophet who worked signs in his presence by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. These two were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. Can anybody say amen? amen? And the rest were killed with the sword which proceeded from the mouth of him who sat on the horse. And all the birds were filled with their flesh. Real quick, go to Revelation 20, verse 4. And I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus. See, this was during the last half of the tribulation. You see, during the last half of the tribulation, you're going to have to take that mark or get, or, or, or get your head chopped off. And if you confess Jesus... During the last half of that tribulation, they're going to cut your head off. It's plain and simple. Have you seen head cutting off come back to the forefront in the last couple of years? Yes. Oh, yes. You saw it right on, on, on CNN, didn't you, and, and, and Fox and MSNBC. Yes or no? Yes. See, that spirit's get ready to come forth. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the witness of Jesus, for the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image, had not received the mark on their foreheads or their hands, and they lived. See, there's going to be a resurrection right at the end of the tribulation. There's going to be a resurrection of all those people that got killed during the tribulation. They're going to get resurrected and reign with Christ for how long? For a thousand years. That's known as the millennium. But the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. When the millennium starts, and I could talk for hours about that, but Satan is bound in the bottomless pit for a thousand years, can you say amen? Amen. amen? During that thousand years, Jesus reigns with a rod of iron from Jerusalem, and we're his his administrators, and our assignment during the millennium will be based on our faithfulness now and here and now. Do you, you understand that? He's who faithful over least will be given much. Is that right? If you're faithful over little, you'll be given, some be given Five cities, ten cities. We're going, to be after, we're going to be governors, mayors, these kinds of things. Jesus is going to be reigning, you know, from Jerusalem, and we're going to be his, his his administrators. Then there's going to be a judgment of the nations, and I don't have time to get into all that. But it's going to be based on how nations treated Israel. Those who treated Israel will go into properly. Will go into the millennium. Those who treated Israel, those nations that treated Israel. Wrongly are known as goat nations, and they're going to be turned into hell. The other ones are the sheep nations. Anyway, at the end of the millennium, Satan. Now listen to this: At the end of the millennium, Satan given a halt. We just went through a thousand years here in a minute. At the end of the millennium, Satan is released for a short time, and deceives multitudes. Now, why is he released? Because those people on the earth during the millennium had never been tempted. They'd never been given a, a choice, because Jesus is ruling with a rod of iron. They'd never been given a choice. And now Satan is released, and he goes out. And, and, and The Bible says he deceives. And you know how many people he deceives? You know, maybe one or two. No, the Bible says he's going to deceive, deceive. Uh, so many people. It's like the sand on the sea; you won't be able to number them. Think about that: thousand years of, of of heaven on earth, and when Satan's released, multitudes of people are going to follow him. And you know, I, I, the Holy Ghost showed me why that is years ago. I, I, as sure as I can be. During the millennium, you you know, you don't ever have to worship the Lord. God's never going to make you worship Him, is what I'm trying to say. And there's going to be multitudes of people, see, during that time, the people that, see, we're going to be there in glorified bodies during the millennium. We've already made our decision, but they're for Jesus, but there's going to be multitudes of this earth is going to be filled with people. Did you know that the Bible says during the millennium, a couple of things, that the lamb will lay down with the Lion. A, a child will be able to play at the den of an asp and not have to be afraid. You'll be considered a child a, a child, when you're 100 years old. Think about that. But, you, but God never makes anybody come up to Jerusalem and worship Him. And there will be multitudes of people, even at that time during that millennium, they still don't have time for the Lord. And they're not ever going to go up there to worship Him. And when you don't go worship the Lord, you set yourself up for deception. It's like when you don't come to church regularly, you set your, to hear the word of God, you set yourself up for deception. When you don't come and sit under the word of God regularly, there's something about coming to the local church that God assigned you to and being there regularly to hear the word from your pastor. There's just something about it. Now you can hear the word from a lot of people besides me and that's all good. But there's just something about being obedient to come regularly. And if you don't do that, you set yourself up for deception. And you see, there's going to be multitudes of, people, multitudes of people. They won't go up to Jerusalem to worship him. And they set themselves up for deception. And when Satan is released, he's going to go out and he's going to deceive multitudes. And the Bible says that fire is going to come down from heaven and consume them all. And then look at Revelation 20.10. I'm almost done. I know I've gone a little long here, but it's worth it. It's the word of God. And then after this, Revelation twenty ten, the devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beasts and the false prophet are. They'll be tormented day and night, forever and ever. Somebody say amen. amen. That wretched thing is finally going to be done away with for all eternity, the devil. And notice hell is eternal, just like just like heaven is, right? Now look at Revelation twenty, verse eleven. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it from whose face the earth and heaven fled away and there was found no place for them and I saw the dead small and great standing before God the books were open another book was open which was the book of life and the dead were judged according to their works. Remember the judgment seat of Christ? That's for believers. This is for all the people who's lived from the Garden of Eden on to this present time right there at the end of the millennium who have rejected Jesus Christ. They've neglected to receive Him. And notice what happens. He sees the dead, small and great, stand before God. The books are open. Another book was opened which was the book of life. The dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the book. The sea gave up the dead that was in it. Death and hell delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. See, they wouldn't stand on Jesus works, so they're standing on their own works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And it's a, an eternal flame that burns for all eternity. You don't want to get in on that. Revelation 21, verse 1. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. What does that mean? Listen carefully. You need to understand this. This earth that we are on right now will never be ultimately Destroyed. It will not be blown up by an atomic weapon. Do you understand that? This word "new" means renovated. Realize, I say renovated, renovated, just like you'd renovate your house. This earth is going. Remember, we read in the opening verses today about about new heaven and new earth. This earth and the heavens are going to be renovated by the fire of God. Burn. You see, I believe now. I don't just believe in global warming. I believe in global melting. You see. Melting. Because you see, this thing is going to get melted. It's going to be, it's, where are we going to be at is the question I'm always, we're going to be in heaven during this time. And there's going to be, this earth is going to be is going to be renovated by the fire of God. The heavens are going to be on fire. It's all going to be, it's, it's not atomic weaponry, it's God's fire. He's going to burn all, why, why has he got to do this? You know there's a lot of sin in here that's got to be burned out. See, if you like sin right now, you're not going to like that new heaven and new earth. What do you mean new heaven? Renovated, renovated heavens, all going to be new. If you like sin here and now, you're not going to like it when this earth is renovated. You know, there's going to there's be no porno shops there. Huh? There ain't going to be no gossip there. There ain't going to be no backbite, no lying, no cheating, no stealing, no bank robbing. Can you say amen? amen. Ain't going to be no death there either. That's going to be wonderful. It's going to be renovated by the fire of God. It's going to be a new heaven, new heavens. The atmosphere is what it's talking about. And a new earth. It's going to be renovated by fire. The first heaven and the first earth had passed away. There was no more sea. Wow. So you better get all your sailing in now. Ain't going to be no sea there. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband, God moves his throne to earth. Interesting, you hear different preachers sometimes say we're going to be, I've heard some of them say we're going to be living on other planets and we're going to be, you know, on down in the, in the eternities to come that God's going to have us on different planets. I beg to differ with that. I don't see that. God loves us so much that, yeah, yeah, I see that. See, what did the Holy Ghost say a while ago? They're yearning more to be with us than we're yearning to be with them. So much so that here's proof for it, God wants to be with us so much, what's He going to do? He's going to move His throne from heaven down here to earth. He moves His throne to the new earth and all believers in Jesus from the Garden of Eden to the end of the millennium will dwell on the new earth with God the Father, the Son Jesus and the Holy Ghost in our glorified bodies for all eternity. Did you? I know it was long, but and there's a lot here, but it's worth listening to. It, it really is. It really is. Stand on your feet, would you? I know there's a lot. I could have done this in about five five sermons, I guess. Now, ah, well, you're you're tough. You can take it, right? Stand with me. Just bow your heads if you would. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We appreciate you, Lord. We thank you for your holy written word. It's an honor and a privilege to get to come into such a place like this and to hear the uncompromised word of God. We thank you for the tongues and interpretation it brought revelation. We thank you for it. We thank you for it. We bless you and praise you. We anticipate, Jesus, your coming. We anticipate. We anticipate. We live every day with one eye to the sky, knowing that you could come at any moment. We set our affections on things above, not on things of the earth, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Thank you, Lord. We bless you and praise you. We magnify you. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy. Bible said that these things will not happen except there come a great falling away first I heard a fantastic minister of the gospel Joyce Meyer the other day she said this I heard her say it on television she said yes there are churches and mega churches and things like that but she said statistically worldwide there's less people going to church now and honoring God than ever in, in the history of mankind the Bible says that before these things that I talked to you about today, we didn't look up the verse. There's so much I could, can't get it all in, in, in an hour. The great apostasy is what it's called. The falling away. The turning away from God. That's another one among about 10,000 signs that we're in the time of the end. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm going to stay stirred up for God. I'm going to stay stirred up. I'm going to hang on every, every word of this Bible. I'm going to keep myself soaked up hot. How about you? Yes. You know, the Word of God isn't boring to me. I'm still as excited today about it as I've ever been. Amen. Thank you, Lord. So we thank you, Lord. Now listen. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you want to miss out on all the bad things we said here today. How do you miss out on it? You come up here, walk up to the front, get with these nice people and give your heart to the Lord. Now listen to this. If we don't go in the rapture, guess what? All of us are going to die. Is that right? You can't escape death. Is that right? But you can do something about where you spend eternity. And you do that by, by, by receiving Jesus as your Savior. So you need to do that if you've never done it. Get serious with God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I'm just waiting on the Lord in case he wants to do anything right before we go. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just, just raise your voice to him right where you're at. Just help me out just a little bit. I don't want to miss God. Just, just worship him right there. Just, just, just thank you, Lord. It, help, it helps me. It helps the flow. The Spirit of God flows. Just, just, like, just, like, the, just like the sea, there's a flow. There's a flow, you see. It's like electricity, there's a flow. And when you're doing what you're doing, boy, it helps me. Thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus.